I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Folks, before we get into the show, wanted to tell you that you could save 15% at SodaStick.com by using the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at checkout. That's S-O-T-A. S-T-I-C-K.com for your Minnesota sports-inspired hats, hoodies, shirts. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at SodaStick.com. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, I'm on jury duty day five, and here is the latest development. Uh, first, the days are long. The trial is real. I have to, like, be a grown-up and, um, like, do what they tell me to do, which is hard, uh, and not make, like, pithy comments in the back, which I would normally Oh, God, do. I know that's hard for yeah. you. I would do to you at press conferences and things like that. Like, I have to actually be uh, very <laughs> professional about this. But during a break, a fellow juror said to me, so you cover the Vikings or whatever, right? I'm like, yeah. And he said, you know, I, I'm from D.C. and I lived there a couple of years ago and when Kirk was the quarterback of Washington. And he said... Pretty much the same, huh? I was like, yeah, pretty much the same. And he's like, I think they should get rid of him. I was like, I don't think you're alone. <laughs> and so that is uh, that is uh, all I can really tell you legally about what happened to me on jury duty day five. But uh, it's, go- it's going it's going, fine. Can you imagine right. if you and I were on jury duty together, though? Like, what honestly would actually be great because we'd probably both get kicked out. Yes. yes. So it's honestly your fault that I didn't get summoned at the same time. And you could have been at Kevin O'Connell's press conference. I'm just trying not to be in contempt of court. Like basically I'm like trying to pay attention, take my notes, take it seriously. Of course. I mean, somebody's fate is, you know, Are in you my doing hands pie here. charts. Um, like- I'm, I'm drawing little pie charts in my notes, like 45% guilty. 55%. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not doing anything like the things that you would think I would totally do in their imaginary world. That would be funny. I'm really can't. I've thought of a lot of things, but I really can't. I mean, you're not um, even on your phone. Like usually like I get like at least like 10 midday text from you just on like random nonsense like the fact that like i hear from you like once a day now is is to show and like you are taking this very seriously you are a true representative of your civil duty to this country and we thank you you know what the hardest thing is is when someone can't remember something you naturally want to tell them what it was when like the person who's testifying is like yeah i, I uh what was that question you want to be like oh they asked about this and then you're like oh wait no i'm not supposed to speak at all you know just just naturally right if someone says what's today you'd be like friday uh, anyway so uh, it's quite an experience i mean i'm learning a lot about what it's like and that is very interesting should be done by next week should be fine for the nfl combine so we're good to go there and i will continue to do my job and bring you all uh this show still. So I appreciate you, Courtney, working your schedule around 
um, my jury duty to do it. And I want to just start out by getting your reaction to Kevin O'Connell's press conference. He won it. I'll give him that. I think that he and Quasi Adolfo Mensa, they were both up there together. It was about 35, 40 minutes. I thought they, you know, the, there were a few questions for Quasi, not many. You know, the only ones that really centered on the roster are the ones that he would like speak to when asked about Kirk Cousins. Is he definitely your quarterback? That's the way it was phrased at them on Thursday. And I think that Kevin O'Connell, in speaking about Kirk Cousins, you know, shed some interesting perspective just on some of the things he said about like what it, how he views his duty of getting the most out of Kirk Cousins, which we have heard how many times now uh, since 2018, every coordinator or any, every play caller, which, you know, has been on the offense is always been the offensive coordinator because Kirk had a defensive head coach for a very long time. Um, but every single one of them's asked that same questions about getting the most out of Kirk Cousins, helping him thrive. And I think that just some of the basic things that Kevin O'Connell said were a little eye-opening, maybe. Um, I mean, first off, the fact that he said, you know, well, I know he's already under contract and I'm excited to coach him. Not like, hell yeah, I came here for Kirk Cousins. Like, load up the converter van or whatever, conversion van, whatever you call it, like that he used to drive in Washington. No, like. I thought that was a calculated answer and that he was smart with saying, I'm anticipating Kirk being part of what we do. But even some like the smaller things, it just shows you Kevin O'Connell knows what he's dealing with here. Like here, I'm reading you a quote said, you know, about building the offensive system, make sure we really focus on the things that Kirk does. Well, yeah. Where have I heard that quote, which I do think are a lot of the aspects of playing the position and help him on a daily basis, connect with the team, lead us, be a completely quiet mind quarterback that can go play because he's talented enough to go do that, putting him in the best possible situations to have success. End quote. This is a coach coming in knowing, yo, I know the narrative about Kirk, that he's got to have everything status quo around him. He's got to have pieces in place, that he is a little bit quirky, that he doesn't connect with the locker room the way that maybe a Matthew Stafford does, the quarterback that he just worked with. He knows what he's in for, if indeed Kirk Cousins is his quarterback. Like, the overall discourse, and, you know, Kevin O'Connell talked about his path in coaching and how he got, you know, through the Super Bowl week, putting the staff together at the same time, and all that stuff is great, but the cousin stuff is at the top of mind for everyone. So all of those answers are what I paid attention to probably the most closely. And it's, it's very eye opening the way that he views Kirk cousins and the way that kind of he and Quasi Adolfo Mensa, the body language when they were asked these questions versus kind of what ownership was saying in our, in our little side session that we had with them, where I asked Mark Wolf, okay, like you, you're doubling down on you going to be competitive. Like, does that make you lean towards wanting to keep Kirk Cousins? And of course, he wouldn't get into the contract stuff, but he said, he said it again. Like he said, quote, we're going to be super competitive in 2022. Yeah, so super competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a kiss of death, in my opinion, when it looks like your head coach and your general manager are trying to be very calculated in their response on Kirk Cousins. And then the ownership is like, no, 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 we're going to be super competitive. And yeah, we're going forward with Kirk whatever. Like, what are you guys thinking? I'm like, no, you can't say super competitive and then expect not to have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback and not saying that he would keep them super competitive, but are you guys really expecting to pull off a trade to get Deshaun Watson in here? Are you thinking that you're going to get another quarterback that's going to force his way out of whatever spot he's in? That doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me just looking at it on paper. So I thought that, you know, 
Kevin O'Connell probably left the press conference thinking, okay, like they're, they're trying to cement this guy to me. Uh, I'll do what I have to do for a year, but Oh man. I mean, doesn't, I'm sorry. doesn't super competitive sound like the more things that you add in front of competitive, the less I believe you. Oh my gosh. Like, I just feel like they keep doubling down and shooting themselves in the foot. Like give yourself some grace. Don't, don't say those things. Like, I just feel like it's it's the wrong way to approach it because you're putting cart before the horse. When we really want, don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to be the quarterback. We really don't. Right. And I thought that everything about the press conference indicated Kevin O'Connell is not sure either, but also um, you know, needs to make it clear that he's not going to like quit if Kirk is still the quarterback. Sure. But I, I want you to I'm gonna pretend that I just got hired as the head coach of the Los Angeles chargers and I'm taking over Justin Herbert. And I want you to ask me how I feel about that. Just go ahead. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel like we have one of the best quarterbacks in the league that Justin Herbert is young and has a monster arm and his ceiling. There basically isn't one because he has so much talent and he has become the face of our franchise and I wanted this job because of Justin Herbert. That's that how does you not answer. sound like uh, <laughs> yes, how right. yes. O'Connell yeah. answered right. it about Kirk. But... Right. That's how you answer when you have a franchise quarterback. I'll do this for anybody. Um, you know, ask me about Mahomes. Ask me about Allen. Any of those? Uh, how am I talking about it? Versus, um, at you know, ask me about Derek Carr. Well, you know, look, Derek Carr's done some good things. <laughs> I mean, so I got that vibe from Kevin O'Connell myself, but here's what I also thought about Kevin O'Connell is everything now is the opposite of what it was before as we expected. And I, and I want you to tell me what else you think is going to be opposite. So Kevin O'Connell is the complete opposite of Mike Zimmer. He's a former player. He's young. He uh, really has a good command of his words. He is modern. He understands how to apply analytics and he wants to collaborate and work closely with the analytics people and the general manager. And mm-hmm. he seemed to be very much on the same page. He understands, I think, better uh, when to run the football, how to run the football, what its role is in creating the pass game. I mean, all these things are just the opposite of Mike Zimmer. That's not to say Zimmer was a terrible coach. It's just these things are very opposite. So what else do you think will be opposite as we go forward outside of the head coach is now younger, wants to pass the ball, understands the numbers. The uh, We got the Wall Street GM as opposed to the old school scout GM. Like, What else is going to be different? I mean, everything is a complete departure, right, from where they were before. And I remember going into the process of covering this head coach and GM search thinking, well, you know, maybe it won't be all that different. And I honestly think if you end up with a deep, like if you ended up with Dan Quinn, and let's say it was Ryan Poles. That's probably closer to what you had before with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman than what you have now with Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Menson for obvious reasons, like the background that you mentioned with the both of them. But I tend to think that, like you know, some of the some of the stuff that O'Connell was talking about yesterday, because remember, culture is still a buzzword, collaboration is still a buzzword. Those are things that, like, your first hundred days on the job, you can get by with just talking about without actually showing proof of it yet. So we shall see. I mean, all of those things that Quasi had mentioned during his press conference were reiterated 
in some form or fashion yesterday when Kevin O'Connell's talking about like the draft and free agency and Adolfo Mensa jumps in and says, you know, like we're going to do it side by side. Like those two looked like they were thick as thieves, which is a good sign, I think, from like the very jump. But we'll see how long that lasts. Obviously, this is a working situation. This is a business. You have to win in order to be successful. And both of them are going to be navigating this for the first time in their respective spots. But, you know, I definitely noticed like the it's the it's the the player's coach type thing. Does it not kind of feel like it's headed that way, which is, I believe, um, what, what, what kind of like what Mike Tice was here. And then he went to Brad Childress, which was a complete departure from that. And then Leslie Frazier more towards that, just like geared towards like being like a generally wonderful human being and like nice guy. And then like Mike Zimmer, hard ass, but like not, a, not necessarily a play, not at all a player's coach, but um, now we're back to like the other thing. Like, I think the thing he said that kind of made me raise an eyebrow or two it's just about how like we want our players to want to be in the building. Like it's a good sign when your players are actually here and like wanting to be around. And I just, I feel like he knows obviously what he's walking into in a situation where he's got to change things and just change like the modus operandi for this team where it's not the coaches are always right. It's some somewhat player empowerment, which of course plays into the contract situation with Kirk cousins. And if him, if, you know, everything kind of points towards if he's not going to take a discount, what do you do there? But also, you know, beyond that, helping, you know, I think that like there's there's the argument you've got to make about, okay, well, what does Kevin O'Connell do for this offense? It's not like, let's take Kirk out of the equation because I don't think regardless of whether he's here next year, I don't think he's here much longer beyond that. It's Justin Jefferson. It's Adam Thielen. It's Dalvin Cook. It's all of those pieces that, I think that they'll start to build this team, maybe change their mind about the way that it used to be in, in terms of like, how do you form a team and actually do things the way that like the Rams did. I feel like Quasi and O'Connell, just the way that they spoke about roster building and the way that they spoke about like what the roster already is and some players that might be here, some players that might not. Um, I think they're going to take a completely different approach to it. And I think that that means if you can, be way more active in free agency. Don't be allergic to going after free agents the way that the Rams did. Uh, I also think that when it comes to Kevin O'Connell and being opposite, like don't throw the boots out with the bathwater. Like there's a lot of things that the offensive coordinators here did before that actually worked really well. And 2019 is maybe the best example of Kevin Stefanski with Kirk Cousins. And you look at Kirk Cousins play action rate, how they effectively ran the football, not just kept running it no matter what, but were effective, uh, particularly the screen game was the best that Cousins had ever had it. Now, these are all things that other quarterbacks can do. Other quarterbacks can throw to open receivers on play actions. Other quarterbacks can hand off uh, and have Delvin Cook do the job or run screen passes and have success with that. Um, so you're looking to set a baseline of helping your quarterback, no matter who it is, to be able to do those things in the same way that Kevin Stefanski did. And then the rest has to be on the talent of the quarterback, whether it's Cousins stepping up his game somehow uh, or if it's getting somebody more talented. So there's a little bit of, yes, you want the opposite of some of the things they did. But on the offensive side, you can't go totally different. I mean, unless uh, you're literally tearing the roster down to the studs and ownership has indicated that is absolutely not happening. Right. And there wouldn't be a good reason to tear no. the offensive parts of it away because you're, Irv Smith is coming back and 
Jefferson, Irv Smith, the two tackles, like that's a great place to begin. There are other pieces that if they go and change, if it's not feeling anymore, if it's not Delvin cook, I think you're fine. Mostly in that case, if you're replacing them with, you know, other good players that are playmakers. Uh, but the key pieces of this team going forward, Justin Jefferson, the two offensive tackles and Irv Smith jr. Like there's a lot there to start with. Of course. And I think that, you know, all the stuff that he said yesterday about how what you saw in LA, those concepts, a lot of them are going to show up in Minnesota. Like it makes sense. Go ahead and look at the blueprint for what made the Rams so successful starting, you know, 2018 when the first year they made the Super Bowl with Sean McVay as their head coach, tons of 11 personnel. And they're not just like throwing out of 11 personnel. They run out of that too. And like, that's the thing. It can be, you know, the whole illusion of complexity. That term was thrown around yesterday. We've heard it, you know, multiple times before with, with the Rams talking about it. All that is, is making, you know, like having your personnel groupings look the same and then like all of a sudden they're not. So you're like looking at something and you're expecting a pass and it's a run and, you know, vice versa. Like, I think that they can do so many of these other things where, it's, it's motion. It's, it's, it's all the stuff that you're doing pre-snap to like throw off a defense and honestly modernizing the offense. Like this is what we were talking about with Clint Kubiak last year. Like, is he actually going to do it? Is he capable of doing it? You have the personnel to do it. Why not try it? Like, and it just never came to fruition, obviously because of who was really holding the reins of the whole thing. Now we get to see that. Like this is, this is when you take the governor off of the offense, like, because you have somebody who is, is rooted on that side of the ball, who's willing to push the envelope in ways that you just did not see happen under Mike Zimmer because he didn't want it to happen. Let's be frank. Like that's like, I think when he was asked Kevin O'Connell, that is asked about the aspects of the running game and like, how do you impose your will on a defense? And it's like, not just running to run it's running because you, you want to marry that with the passing game. And I know a lot of that sounds like coach speak, but like, I do honestly believe it because look at how successful the Rams were with it. Even when it didn't work in certain games, like go back to the, um, the Vikings game when they played them on December 26th, like Sony Michelle had a great game. None of their other running backs did, but they like find ways to make that stuff work. Like you were mentioning with the screen game, where did that go? Like in Minnesota that comes back wide receiver screens become a thing too. Like, you know, there's just so much there that I think the creativity of it is going to be so vast that it's almost going to be like drinking from a fire hose, I think, for a lot of these players because they're just not used to that. And when we talk about like how things are done opposite of what was done in the Zimmer era, two things come to mind for me. Uh, Number one is part of the screen game not working was probably the offensive line. Sure. Like when you have... Oli Udo trying to transition from tackle to guard. And then, you know, you're asking him to run screens and not get downfield too fast and all the, all those things like these detailed things that are difficult for somebody who was a tackle and you don't run screens as much with tackles getting out. Like you do guards, very difficult to do. Uh, the offensive line of the Los Angeles Rams was absolutely fantastic. I mean, one of the best in the league, uh, Quasi comes from San Francisco where they built good offensive lines and, He comes from Cleveland where they built a good offensive line and the investment there I would expect is going to be vastly different. And when you're talking about like, no matter who the quarterback is, 
what's the goal here? It's always to set up the quarterback in the absolute best way that you can. And the previous regime was just flat out negligent about one of the key things. And no surprise, like when you look at the numbers of uh, Matt Stafford, sacks were always an issue for him. And then suddenly they weren't not just because of the system, but their offensive line was a big deal here. And, you know, I don't want to be the the person that says Kirk hasn't succeeded because of his right guard, because that sounds ridiculous. But if you can create an entire unit there running, passing, I mean, it's all going to improve uh, if you have a better offensive line, just like common sense. Mm -hmm. I think that that will be a big focus for them. The other thing is too, that one of the, one of the problems Mike Zimmer and all defensive coaches face is that their side of the ball is just not as important. That the Vikings could have made the playoffs last year with the eighth best offense instead of the 14th. They would have been in the playoffs. They didn't have a good enough defense to win the Super Bowl, but even the Rams, their defense, I think, was 16th. It does not have to be a legendary defense. It just has to be good in the playoffs. And, you know, I think when Mike Zimmer does not have control over the most important thing, there's he wanted to have control over that because it's frustrating to not have your side of the ball be the one that ultimately determines what happens with this football team. So now with Kevin O'Connell, that is the case. And what he can do is actually take his hands and remove them from the defense. Mm -hmm. And he can never touch what Ed Donatell is doing. And Mike Pettin, who's going to be an assistant coach as well. Like those guys have the defense you run the offense and you can really do that. It's very much in the same vein as Sean McVay and Wade Phillips when they first started out there or Sean McVay and Raheem Morris of what was going on or Brandon Staley, like you run the offense. Yes. You're going to be the head coach and manage the players and the team and everything else, but the defense belongs to that guy. And I just think that like trusting your coach that you hired to do this was something Mike Zimmer never did. And it hurt them over the years. And that's one thing I wanted to ask Kevin O'Connell about yesterday, but we were pressed for time in, you know, how, how do you be- manage it? Because it is very, very clear here in talking with people on the staff over the last five years that I've covered this team, it's offense versus defense, or it was offense versus defense in Minnesota. Not saying that like coaches are like, you know, pitted against each other, but like as a whole, it's the offense lost this game. The defense did its job. I wonder how that staff is going to look like when staffs actually respect each other in the sense that, you know, and I'm not saying it's perfect. Obviously, I don't know what what went on inside of the Rams locker room or coaching meetings or anything like that. But let me tell you, getting to a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl means that you have 53 players, an entire coaching staff, an entire scouting staff, an entire front office. Everyone's moving in the same direction. Everyone has the same goal. When it did, The goals weren't the same here in Minnesota over the last couple of years, which is why I think that you know, it didn't just fracture within the locker room. It fractured within the coaching staff. So I'm very curious to see how, you know, when he's talking yesterday about how Ed Donatel, we're, pro- we're, we're definitely going to be seeing a 3-4 defense. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, he came from – funny thing is, though, like during those years that he was with Green Bay and they were, like, really good in like, the early 2000s, like, they were running a 4-3. But Ed Donatel is very versatile. Like, he, he – it's, you know, he was in Denver and yeah, he wasn't calling plays under Vic Fangio, but he's running that scheme. That's a three, four scheme that's predicated off stopping the pass and then making team offensive coordinators so frustrated that they just run the ball and end up like running themselves into the ground. Not a bad way to do it. I just thought it was very interesting. Some of the things that he said about the players that especially the players he mentioned 
that he anticipates like being a part of this, the guys that he likes. I mean, Harrison Smith being the first name that comes to mind. And I'm like, oh, goodness, if you really wanted to like restructure him, um, you kind of didn't really give yourself do yourself any favors there by just like lauding this guy of how wonderful he is. And like he's the perfect structure of a player or whatever to fit in your defense. Like, oh, gosh, financially, you probably shot yourself in the foot there because this guy's going to be like, I'm not taking a pay cut. Anyways, um, it does open the question, though, of like, what does Anthony Barr become? Because he is a pending free agent. Yes, Kevin O'Connell mentioned him in this defense and how, just really how he likes him. But I can't picture them realistically right now. I cannot picture them having a 3-4 without an Anthony Barr type. Maybe it's not him, but you have to have that type of, of linebacker in order to succeed in this role. Hey, everybody, I've been making my meals from HelloFresh, and I have to tell you, I cannot make enough of these things. And if I can make them, literally anyone can. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. One of the nice things for me as I'm grinding the football tape is that HelloFresh Cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen. Meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, their quick and easy meal options, including 20-minute recipes, low prep, easy cleanup. They provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. You guys know we love stats on the show. How about this one? HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put toward your NFL draft guides. How about that? Uh, we've been cooking HelloFresh meals here in the house for the last couple of weeks. Just made the Parmesan chicken the other night, and uh, it's a game changer, guys. So go to HelloFresh.com. That's HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. Use the code Insider16 for up to 16 meals for free and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Sam and I disagreed on the stock to put in the defensive quotes. Uh, I don't put a lot of stock in them at all. I mean, not mentioning Daniil Hunter. I don't know. I mean, you're I doing Neil needs a change of scenery, but that's just me. I, I mean, I still lean that way myself, but I don't think that more or less because of Kevin O'Connell not mentioning him. And the same thing goes for Anthony Barr. What Kevin O'Connell knows is, and actually Anthony Barr played well last year. Yeah. That Especially when, against the Rams. Definitely against the Rams when his team was preparing for the Minnesota Vikings, 
they looked at the linebackers and said, that's the strength of their defense. Those guys are really good. And that's who we're going to have to deal with. And how would that not be true? Like, of course it was true. The rest of the defense was terrible (laughs) when the Rams got here. So yes, the strength was the two good players who make pro bowls and stuff. Um, So I I don't look into that and say, oh, well, that must mean that they want to sign Anthony Barr to an extension. I also think that the Donatel, like if he follows along with what a lot of these defenses that are, you know, finger quote three, four have done, what what they end up being a lot of times is five, one, like five defensive linemen and one linebacker. I mean, you could call them You're all in your nickel anyways. Right. And and then then the, the rest is the secondary. So like there's. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much use there is to paying another linebacker. That was always a critique that we had before. Yeah, no, I don't I don't disagree. I think that you can get that type of player, but you need I mean, I do think that Kendricks and Barr, you need like a compliment there, whether it's Nick Vigil or whether it's someone else. I believe Vigil's also a free agent after this year. It is kind of moot, but I just thought it was interesting the praise heaped onto Anthony Barr. And like, then like my mind's like, okay, I could actually see it. I mean, the guy played in a three, four and was a first round pick because of it. He's been in a four, three, his entire career in the NFL until the time that he went to the jets for not even officially becoming a member of the jets. He was going to be in that. He finally was going to get to rush the passer. Like, right. That was all that we ever talked about with Anthony Barr. And then he comes back. I would like to see, even though I know it could be expensive and like, granted, this is just like more of a pipe dream of wanting to see what that would actually look like versus knowing where he's at health wise with the knee. And clearly that's like a issue that's not going to go away. And, you know, bar sounded pretty, pretty certain he was gone at the end of that bears game press conference in in, in January. But I am curious to see what it looks like. I mean, your fronts are going to be multiple anyways. Like that's the thing, like just because you're in a three, four, um, doesn't mean that like you're not going to be changing up your fronts and, and rushing four occasionally. And I mean, hell this team rushed three during like a pretty important play in Detroit and ended up losing the game because of it. So um, yeah. Still, still shocking that Cameron Dantzler would not understand how an end zone works. 10 yards. That guy can't get in front of you and catch the ball within that 10 yards. Like that's how that works. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with bar, the, there's just too many red flags there. The injury to his knee was a big problem last year. And of course he's going to tell everybody, Oh no, 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 it's fine. And I could keep playing. But I mean, that thing, it kept him out of the entire training camp. It kept him out of the first couple of weeks. Uh, we didn't know from week to week, whether Anthony Barr was going to play, which I think says something about him that he was uh, effective this year overall. But even then, effective and look at what the whole defense was able to do like one player like that at his age on a team like this is just not worth it so i think it was more of just a name drop of yeah when we were studying their defense that's kind of who we looked at i get it i get it i still i still i don't know i think there's reason to think that some of it i mean you you know that you're prepared for this moment you know you're going to get those questions everything from the question about kirk to the questions about the defense and i'm not saying you have to be perfect and i'm not saying everything is calculated but it was interesting Hmm. okay so you're putting you're putting i'm kind of more i'm kind of i'm more on sam's side about this well typical typical uh side against me um so uh rule against me some might say who are doing jury duty is uh yeah. I mean, is that how it works? You're submitting it for evidence and um, 
it's not being objected by the judge. I don't know. Yeah, that is kind of how it works. But uh, so Sam and I, by the way, speaking of him, we've been doing this uh, this wheel of quarterbacks. So I have 21 quarterback names and I spin the wheel and then it lands on a quarterback name. Are you interested? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to dial it up. Um, Some music, please. Do, 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 do. Where will the wheel stop? Do, do, Let's do, do. find out. Do, See, my, my songs are so much better than yours. Like, I think that's, you, you know what I do? I It's like what Kevin O'Connell is going to do for Kirk. Like, I am amplifying you. Like, hmm. you created the song, which was the, you, you just kind of like inserted whatever game we were doing with it. Do, 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 do. But now I amplified it, and my my version is is pretty good. I think it was just got, my version. I think I actually got the best out of your version. Oh, yeah. That's definitely what happened there. It was a, it was a little more treble, I think, with your yeah. voice and uh, came through perfectly clear. So anyway, I spun the wheel, tick, 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 and uh, it landed on Kenny Pickett. How would you feel about Kenny Pickett for the Vikings quarterback for 2022? I would think that they're probably still going to be a team that goes eight and nine. I really do. I think that any of these rookies, I mean, think about the sustained success that rookie quarterbacks have like Mac Jones last year had, he's the only quarterback that made it to the playoffs and he had some good moments and he also had some clunkers. Like I would expect the exact same thing from a Kenny Pickett, but of course I'm thinking long-term that that's obviously a much better situation because I think that the worst case scenario here with all the discourse around Kirk Cousins in the next four weeks are just going to be so bizarre and so like, just buckle up because the information that comes out from NFL media, which is absolutely carrying water for the team and what they're saying about Kirk Cousins and the smoke screens and everything else. And like, let, let's, let's just, I mean, all of that stuff, put it aside. Like, and also like, let's not act like Kirk Cousins is going to take a pay cut. Like, go off history here, people like, don't just all of a sudden think that a zebra will change his stripes. Like the way he structured his deals before are the way that he's going to want to structure his new, his new deal. If he gets one with Minnesota or if he goes somewhere else and ends up signing an extension, whatever. But I say all of that to say that no matter what happens, you know, in the short term, like you're setting yourself up to be successful for next year. And I think that that's a move when you have someone like Kenny Pickett, I would assume, obviously, that they'd be using the 12th overall pick to be able to get him. It makes sense, given kind of how we at least are laying out the quarterback class right now, post-senior bowl and post uh, you know some of the other bowl games. And, and we'll, we'll know more probably when the combine happens and things change after that. But I would be like, yeah, this is what I would expect, where you are – you're rebuilding your entire leadership structure. You might as well give yourself the credence to maybe take a step back as you're like letting people like learn how to be successful in this new system and then actually be successful a year from now. So like I'd be, I, that's the long-term play. Yeah. Kenny Pickett in my mind is absolutely ideal. Like Malik Willis is really intriguing. Kenny Pickett has been talked about as the top quarterback prospect. Yep. If they were to go eight, nine with Kenny Pickett and have moved Kirk, which we need to talk about like your ideas on the, the price tag here, because it's the most common question and I get different answers from different people. I have had people on the show who say, well, yeah, you should go for a first round pick. There's all these teams that need quarterbacks. I've had people on the show that say, what? Who's trading for Kirk Cousins? So um, I, let me get your opinion on that in just a second. But eight and nine with Kenny Pickett would be a barrel of monkeys. I mean, it would be like 
his ups and downs would be interesting to look at as they are for any rookie quarterback. No rookie quarterback has ever taken his team to the Super Bowl, right? Like it just doesn't happen for a reason um, because there's bumps along the way. But it would also mean that you were good enough offensively to have your moments and for him to show that there is something there. And uh, his personality is a little more of the leadership type from what I gather. His playmaking is a little more what you're looking for. And so even if he isn't a perfect prospect, that would be ideal to be able to build around Kenny Pickett and remove yourself from the bad cap situation in a year and then start spending like crazy in free agency. But of course, drafting Kenny Pickett would likely have to go along with a Kirk trade. It doesn't absolutely have to because he could stay for a year, but if he's the starting quarterback for 2022, then yes, it has to go along with a Kirk trade. So your opinion on the Kirk trade market. Well, you know, I played this game when I was hosting radio this morning of like fill in the blank. And then we did it with like 10 or 11 different quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers all the way down to Kyler Murray and throwing Kirk in there, Baker Mayfield. I think this cycle of trades, we're going to end up seeing kind of what we saw. And obviously there wasn't player compensation necessarily here, but like Miami, Philadelphia, and San Francisco three-way trades and I know that like it won't get like to the NBA level because obviously it can't in the NFL like I think it'd be great if we could see like all these weird things happen but the overall compensation and I think there's going to just be like whether you move him just to see him moved again or a short-term type fix over the situation I tend to think that the compensation for Kirk Cousins the Vikings are going to have to pay probably at least like 15 million of that 15 to 20 million of that base salary. Like what they're doing right now, if they behind the scenes are thinking definitely like we need to like posture, like we love this guy because you can't, if you're, if you're basically like not committing yourself to Kirk cousins in a press conference or in any sort of public setting, you're showing people. Yeah. Like, well, we'll just, we just want to get him out of here. Like we'll, we'll get him out of here. But like, then you're shortchanging yourself and you're having to pay for something that's not even on your roster. So of course the comments right now about like, no, we want to extend him. Like that's a way to like get teams to be like, no, okay. They do value. Maybe he's better than we think he is. It's kind of what Washington did the first time around. Right. Like when they, um, you know, his two franchise tags, he plays on him and then he ends up like hitting free agency. But I think that they'll have to pay at least like 15 million of that 35 million base salary, just as far as like the way that the, the trade would be set up. I don't think they get a first round pick for him. Am I, am I in the minority on that? Like, I think definitely like a two and a three, but I don't think that they get a first round pick for, I think it's really difficult unless it's like, certainly, I mean, like the multiple first round pick things with like an Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson, at least what we believe that Houston wants. I can understand it for those players, but even then it's difficult. I don't know. There would have to be the only way I think it like would be a first round pick is if it's the conditional basis, kind of like how Philly and Indianapolis set up the Carson Wentz trade last year, where it was a third round pick. And then a 2022 conditional pick that if, if Wentz played a certain amount, which ended up turning into what is it? The 16th overall pick for the Eagles. Like that's a first round pick. That's honestly the only way I could see the Vikings getting a first round pick for Kirk Cousins if it eventually turns into one. And I think it's a smart way to set up the structure because I think you're going to have more suitors if you do it that way versus like we want your over out your your outright first round pick for whichever year. 
Well, that's what I was going to ask you is let's say the phone call comes in and it's uh, Indianapolis and Indianapolis had that's to send a it. really intriguing one right now because but they the don't have a right. But they don't have a first round pick because they sent it to, to um, Philly to Philly. So but they do have a first round pick for the following year. What if they said, and and this is what you know Indy did last year with Wentz. Last year, yeah. What if they said, we'll give you either a two or a first the following season? Which would you rather have? I would take the first the following season because you move you move on with him this year. You still have your own first round pick. And then let's say they go in in this scenario, I believe we're still doing Kenny Pickett, right? Like he's still a yeah, guy. Yeah. Okay. So you have Kenny Pickett and then next year you have two first. That's not, and if yeah, you finish, yeah. if you finish eight and nine, again, let's just say that that's like kind of around the ballpark. So like you're looking at like having the 12th overall pick maybe again, and then one who knows where, uh, anywhere, you know, beyond that still, it's the first round pick. I think that that sets you up because you can be addressing like another edge rusher because who knows, you know, what you're able to afford this year. Like I just, I just feel the Daniel Hunter thing is something that we have to keep talking about because it's not going away. You can address another cornerback. You can get another wide receiver and potentially be moving on from Adam Thielen, like getting trade compensation for him, like trade now. And also I hate to say this, but it's like, you know, when he's on the other side of 30 and you start getting lower body injuries, you slow down as a receiver. That's like something that you have to like keep an eye out for that it might soon be time to move on. So you can, you can get that replacement. I mean, there's a lot of receivers in this draft class too, but I say all that to say like that helps set Kevin O'Connell up and Quasi Adolfo Mensa for what they want to do beyond 2022. Like this is the long play move. If you go that route, I would, I mean, anytime you can get a first round pick, I think you take it versus like the short term is short term glory for the long term gain. Folks, support for Purple Insider is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools, and they recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle Performance Package. Four million men have trusted Manscaped, and you can check out their exclusive offer for 20% off and free shipping with the code 20insider at manscaped.com. Manscaped sent me the performance package and I could say that it's a game changer, especially when it comes to their nose and eyebrow hair trimmer called the Weed Whacker. I'm a unibrow guy, so I need to keep that in check for all the YouTube videos and streams that we do. You've probably also heard of the lawnmower as well, and they've come out with a 4.0 version, which is waterproof. It has an LED light and advanced skin safe technology, so you don't have to worry about any nicks or cuts. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 20insider. That's 20insider at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. The code 20insider. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I totally agree with you that a second round pick is fine, but a first round pick, especially if the Colts say go, oh, I don't know, nine and eight or something, could be in the middle of the first round. If you have two mid first round picks to help continue to build, you just, this is is the whole point where it's like, they could say super competitive, uber competitive, uh, whatever. Quadruple competitive. Yeah, right, right. I don't even know if that makes sense. Whatever word they want to use. But if you want to be really competitive, it, the path is there to look forward to that 2023 free agency. Like this year, try to nab some dudes who might be youngish, like 26, 27, of which there are in the free agent pool, get them to longer term contracts, make them a part of your, your foundation, and then like try to chase big fish when you have the Kirk contract gone. And then you're drafting multiple first round players to add into a team that has been stocked through free agency, as well as the players you've already developed, like Darisaw Jefferson, like this is how you build a team like that. that, It's not just, well, uh, I have to try to save my rear end this year. So um, another nose tackle, anybody like Brashad Breland won a Super Bowl. Does that work for you? Like, no, I mean, that's not, that's just not how you really build a winner. Um, so let me spin the wheel one more time here. Dick, Dick, that you want to do the thing? Do, um, do, 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 do. Where will the wheel stop? Do, do, where will it stop? Dick, tick, 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 tick. Oh, Sam Darnold, a trade, uh, let's say, Kirk Cousins for Sam Darnold. Now, if Sam Yuck. Darnold. I don't like this. Now, hang on. Hang on. Let me make the case. If Sam Darnold uh, is traded by the Panthers, that makes $18 million in cap space for them. So that might not be a situation where you have to take back all the cap. The, here, here's the argument for Sam Darnold. You take him. He's on a one-year deal for $18 million. You draft whoever else. Sure. So this is the thing. You don't have to only yeah. take one and of the you, people. And you wouldn't have list. to worry about like, if, let's say you can. So I'm still able to use my 12th overall pick to go get Kenny Pickett. Correct. Or Malik Willis if they're there. And Correct. you would, and you would, you'd be fine letting them sit a year. I guess I could see it from that respect. I just, you're going to be not, you're, you're it, this is, that's eight and nine or seven and 10. Sam yeah. Darnold is not a yeah. very good quarterback. So yeah, that doesn't excite me. That's this is a stopgap move. That is the ultimate stopgap move to just get Kirk off your roster. That's not a build for the future move. That's okay. We got it. We got to pull the plug now because we're in the same position next year at this point. If we don't, Andy could be more expensive. Like, and it just, no, 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 no. Just stopgap move. Well, it wouldn't be straight up. This would be very Stafford for golf type of deal where well, yeah. there would have to be, uh, you know, additional compensation coming from the Carolina, Carolina Panthers. Right. So if they were giving you a second and Sam Darnold and you're giving them Kirk Cousins to try to save Matt Rule's job, I like it from that perspective because that still allows you to draft a quarterback. So you don't have to play Sam Darnold. He might end up being an expensive backup, but you've still eaten into the amount of cap space that you were going to spend at the quarterback position by about half. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I still think that, I mean, you create like, you do create a little bit of a headache for yourself in that situation. If you're like bringing him in, and then, you know, if, if Kenny Pickett's not great right away and then you're like, you know, vacillating between quarterbacks and, you know, I'd like to think that Kevin O'Connell being a quarter, former quarterback himself would know how to handle the position unlike we've seen in previous years from the head coach just of how to handle, like if you even had like the slight ounce of controversy among the position, how to handle it. But it's it's a short-term move that does have like a high ceiling for long-term gain because you of the draft capital that you'd get back. 
in return. And Carolina was always rumored early in the offseason to be a potential landing spot for Kirk. Now, how realistic that is, I mean, I don't know what the hell Matt rules building in Carolina and, you know, bringing in um, what's his name? The offensive coordinator, the one from uh, Ben McAdoo. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. My God. Like you're, I don't ship- know what's Matt rule ever been doing. No, I don't know. You're shipping, you're shipping Kirk off to Siberia. That's, that's what you're doing. And if you can get the right compensation back and like, honestly, with their cap situation, like what you had mentioned there, because they had gone ahead and picked up that fifth year option on Darnold, like, maybe that actually financially would give you because of what you'd be taking what Carolina would be responsible for versus like what the Vikings would be responsible for and cousins. Like, I wonder if that somehow this might sound basic, but like cancel some of that stuff out Mm -hmm. because you'd already be like absorbing part of that player's guarantees. So financially it could make sense. I just, Oh God, that would look so ugly. Like that would just be, it doesn't excite me at all. Yes, if he, I mean expensive backup. That's well, a, that's a, but a, that is the ultimate get Kirk off your roster move. Well, there's a key point in this that you don't want if you're drafting someone, you don't want a quarterback who might surprise you and then they put you in a hard position. Like what Ryan Tannehill did to Tennessee, and he's been really good for them. So I don't want to say that it was a terrible move or anything. Uh, it was a good move. He's gotten them into the playoffs. He got them the one seed. So it's you know good job, but he's put them in a position where he's just good enough, but not great. And they had to sign him and they have to keep him, and they have to keep doing this because he's gotten them places as they're kind of in a spot with Kirk, same thing. Like as they are with Tennessee with, you know, John Robinson and the extension that they gave to Tannehill, right? You don't want to end up with the quarterback you trade for sign playing well enough for people to want you to resign them. Like (laughs) Sam Darnold won't do that. And there's uh, rumors abound that Ryan Fitzpatrick was spotted in. I heard that, which I think is funny. Like, couldn't it have been any relatively tall guy with that beard? I mean, I don't know. Like, could you, could you see his IQ from the distance? Uh, But anyway, if Ryan Fitzpatrick was really here and has a chance to be that guy, he's perfect for it. He's been perfect for so many years. He is never going to threaten the guy you're drafting. That's Correct. the biggest thing. That, don't, yes. don't get someone who threatens the guy that you're drafting. No, 100%, which is why like the scenario when we initially picked Kenny or when the wheel picked Kenny Pickett of Kurt, him being here under Kirk for a year, that just won't happen. Cousins will not play that way. Having somebody who is going to threaten him for his job or if he knows he's out the door, like I don't think a year's time – would have changed anything here because of the Justin Fields thing that nearly happened last year. It's just, it's not a good situation to, if you're starting to build something here, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you got to be looking at that knowing it got, he was in the thick of that in, in Washington. I mean, he was around, you know, seeing, you know, Kirk in 2017. I mean, obviously he wasn't um, like during the, the RG three Kirk switch. Like, I don't think he was, you know, too, I, I think he was still in Cleveland. He was in Cleveland in 2015. So like, that was when all of that was happening. So we wouldn't have gotten to see what that looked like, but you can't be wanting to walk into a situation in Minnesota, your first job being like, God, I've got to like start fending these, t- like these people off of each other because it's so toxic. No, like clean slate yourself and don't put yourself in that situation where like you have to handle that headache from like a constant basis. Cause it would be constant. Right. As oh, we know. For sure. Yeah. 
okay, before we wrap up, let's wrap on a pie chart. Uh, Ooh, everyone has been waiting chart. for this. Uh, how how about this? As it stands right now, I will not make you pick the Vikings because I don't even know if their opponents are out there. Maybe they are, but yeah, they are for twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't made a mock schedule. We'll do that at some point. But I'm just gonna have you do a pie chart, okay? So let's let's do it this way. Okay. Your four options are just where they stand right now, knowing so little about uh, what they're doing with Kirk, uh, what O'Connell's going to do with his offense, like all these things. You don't know anything at the moment. But at your feeling right now, does this team win six or fewer games is your first option. Okay. Between seven and nine games is your second option. Between 10 and 12 games is your third option. And 13 or more games in 2000. And 22. Those are your options uh, for a pie chart. I feel like we're going to need separate pie chart music while you think. Do you have any? Like, are you like equipped for this? Maybe some like light alternative, just like Uh it's a pie chart that you're making. It's a pie chart. It's a pie chart that you're making. Okay, you done? No. Um... It's a pie chart. Give me like two seconds plus five. Okay, solo. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Okay, let's go. Okay. Um, I think I did the math here. Let me just add it up really quick. Twenty-five. That's not a lot. Twenty-five plus. Yes, I have to make it. Can't go over a hundred. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. All right. So, I'll start with my least. I'll go like least to highest. I think it's kind of throwing in um a new little wrinkle because I don't typically just like read it off um you know verbatim as to what I've written. So. I, to them winning 13 games or more, I give them a, a 5% chance to do that. I think that this is realistically like knowing what we know right now, which is Kirk Cousins right now is still the quarterback of this team. And that's going to handicap you with your salary cap. Like if this is the case, if they're going to like, here's my scenario doing this, they're letting him play out the $45 million cap hit. They're not touching it. They're like, okay, whatever, Kirk, like, we're just kind of biting the bullet on this. You're trying to restructure other pieces. You're probably releasing Daniel Hunter um, or trying to trade him. Like you're, you're trying to create the cap space you need and you're taking hits elsewhere on the roster. I also don't think that even if Aaron Rodgers leaves the division and the Vikings do have, if Kirk is here, have, have the best quarterback in the division. So what you win the NFC North. It doesn't mean that you're going to go win a Super Bowl. That doesn't mean that you are one of the best teams in the NFC. It really doesn't. So 5% for that. Um, I gave them winning 10 to 12 games, a 15% chance. It still feels unrealistic to hit double digit Mm -hmm. figures. I mean, think about how quote unquote, and I'm not doing it to be snarky, but everybody's like, Oh, the roster's so good right now. Like, well, this so good roster that you had in 2021 won you eight games, right? Like negative point differential is correct. Yes. And a lot of those players are leaving who are veterans. So there's that um, six or fewer games. I gave a 25% chance. Now, obviously I'm kind of like moving the goalpost here and being like, well, maybe Kirk isn't the quarterback on this one. Like, I mean, we just don't know. So I kind of can like go any way that I want with it. Like what? And I just feel like six or fewer is if they have if Kirk here and they have Jefferson and they have Thielen and a lot of the pieces, like you can't be that bad. Right. Like I know that they're going to have to go through another defensive rebuild and it can't possibly look worse than eight wins. 
Like it really can't. So of course, seven to nine, I put it a fifty-five percent chance. It's just it's it's the easy play here for me because they're exactly who they are last than last year. Maybe they don't lose eight games by one score, but they're probably playing in a lot of close games. They're probably trying to figure it out along the way as they're trying to build this whole new thing with Kevin O'Connell. And that just feels like that's mediocrity. That is mediocrity, which is probably what you should expect. Like, don't expect more. Don't set yourself up for failure. Expect that and not to be super competitive. You know what I was thinking about with this just now when you're talking about like uh, them going from, you know, seven to nine, which I think uh, your pie chart was well done. Very strong pie chart. And uh, I didn't Thank double you. check your math, but I think it's you got correct. It right. It's all yeah, correct. Okay. I did it myself. Don't, right. well, don't judge me. Just like in court, you need uh, corroboration. So there's a, a lot of legal terms will be used here. But think think about it. Here's how I'm going to think about this is in when you get to September and the temperature is 55 degrees, it feels freezing and terrible. When you are in March and it reaches 55 degrees, you're like, wow, summer's on the way. Spring break, yeah. I, I feel the same way about a nine and eight or eight and nine season for this year to next year, where it's like last year, it was just a cold eight and nine. It was a team that underachieved. It was poor coaching. It was a bad culture. It was lack of leadership. Like everything was bad. They didn't come through in the biggest moments. It's just, you know, it had this, this slog feel to it. And um, you know, even just the amount of people who have joined on and started listening to the show since by the numbers sort of shows you uh, like the different feeling. And I think as we evaluate everything and look at every game as sort of this gathering of information and what's it going to be like and what can it be at some point in the future, 55 degrees just feels a lot different. And and that's, that's kind of how I'm going to think of it this year. No, I I don't disagree with you. I think that it's a good starting point. Like you're not like if, if you want to sell tickets, if you want to fill U.S. Bank Stadium, that keeps people coming back because the intrigue's there where it's not like, man, you're like, we'll sit this year out, right? Like, they're not so bad that they're going to win four games like right. some other teams maybe in the division. So I think that it's 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 mediocre enough to keep people intrigued of like, okay, 2023, that's the year. That's the year that things finally take off because they got their systems in place. They got a year to figure it out. But I just don't see as of right now, unless all of a sudden they get to Sean Watson and all of a sudden the roster looks different. Right. I don't see it looking yeah. more than seven and nine. And those things can change quickly, but I didn't take anything away from what Kevin O'Connell said that screamed to me, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Like, lock us in. There was nothing there. And I, and I think that that is 100% the right approach. And I thought that he did a great job in towing that line of not calling it like, oh yeah, we're kind of rebuilding, like not saying that, but also not saying put your, you know, get buy your tickets for, uh, you know, late January right now, folks. Got a we're Phoenix, have, baby. Right. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, I think, well, well done by him and well balanced. So uh, Courtney always great. And uh, we will be together again soon you know probably next week uh but also you know combine is coming up which is always really fun for us i mean so. draft scout's coming she's ready i've talked that, to her she actually is answering my, she's answering my calls right now which is obviously a very good sign pre-combine draft sim will happen Cannot next wait. week when we talk how about we do that okay Let's thanks thanks for your time courtney